Monday morning broadcast. Well, lots of things happened over the weekend. Lots of things happened over the weekend, to say the least. First of all, uh, Israel won the first their first game of the World Baseball Classic. I don't know if Ariel Kahana is a baseball fan. We'll have to find out. Uh, but that was significant news for us, as Israel did really well yesterday, and they continue tonight against Puerto Rico. We'll see what happens in that game. It's going to be a tough game. We'll see what happens. But Mazal Tov to the Israel baseball team, that's for sure. Uh, plus, of course, on this side of the world, the weekend uh, was dominated with news of the bank failures, which I'm sure is uh, giving some people some tension and pressure this morning, waking up on a Monday. Let's hope for the best in that situation. Uh, but I think what really uh, affected those who love Israel the most over the last couple of days was Friday's announcement about diplomatic ties between Iran and Saudi Arabia. And ironically, we spent the last couple of weeks talking about how wishy-washy Saudi Arabia has been when it comes to forging relationships with peaceful countries in the Middle East. And then this announcement comes up about diplomatic cooperation between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Ariel Kahana is with us live via telephone from Israel. Uh, he is um, a chief diplomatic correspondent for Yisrael Hayom. Ariel Kahana, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Boker Tov Nachum. You definitely surprised me with the baseball. Uh, <laughs> the baseball yeah. news caught you by Victory surprise. Victory by Israel. I didn't know about that. I think no one in Israel knows about it. But uh, <laughs> Exactly. That's the problem that nobody in Israel knows about it. But Baruch Hashem, the first game went well. I don't know if the rest of them are going to go so well, but the first game went very well what was the reaction i mean the way it was painted in american media was that israel and specifically the netanyahu administration was completely caught off guard by the announcement regarding saudi arabia and iran would you portray the situation that way that it was a complete surprise to jerusalem so I would say, Nahum, especially when it comes to most of my colleagues in Israeli media, whenever Israel fails about anything, uh, you know, media is, is, uh, it's always a Bibi's guilt. So, right. so now, now let's try to to um, to paint the, the picture a little bit uh, uh, more accurate, if I may. So, so first of all, it, it is a negative development. No question about about that. We we do not want. Uh, is the Saudis to be on the same side with Iran, but to be to, to if you if we go deep into it, you know it's it's the Middle East here. It's not black and white. It's not binary. It's not zero or one. Now the Saudis had ties with Iran until seven years ago, and just this morning the foreign minister, the Saudi foreign minister, keeps saying it didn't mean. I mean, having ties doesn't mean we solve all problems. And there is no tension anymore about all issues between Iran and the Saudi. It's not a peace agreement. It's a diplomatic agreement between two countries and two nations which were enemies and will still be enemies. That's the main point. Now, going to the question why it happened, so I can tell you, I can quote, let's quote it, a senior Israeli or very senior Israeli official, uh, which was briefing a, a journalist last week, and he was saying, "Listen, the reason why the Saudis are, are coming close, by the way, because of uh, because of China, uh, you know, get, get involved in uh, over there. Yep. But the reason is the weakness. The re okay, the weakness by the United States, unfortunately, because the Saudis are disappointed from the Biden administration, while under the table, and that's very important, under the table, the tw the ties between Israel and Saudi will keep going, I'll keep going, and we'll keep going, 
because we still have common interests. So it is, again, just to, to, to wrap up on this point, it, it is a negative development, but it doesn't mean that uh, the Saudis are now becoming back uh, our enemies. It, it doesn't go this way. Ariel Kahana is with us live via telephone from Israel. Uh, so your first point was that that anytime something like this occurs, uh, the media is quick to point out that it's Bibi's fault, and it sounds like you are trying to portray that it might not necessarily be his fault. That's number one. But the second thing is that I understand the advantages that Saudi Arabia might have when it comes to a relationship with Iran. I understand that, even though, as you described, that they're still going to quote-unquote be enemies. But the reality is that, that we would like to see a situation, I think, where Saudi Arabia is more... Uh, reliant on the West, is more reliant on the United States, is more reliant on Israel when it comes to the eventualities regarding Iran. What you're basically telling us, it seems, is that while we have full faith that a relationship with Israel would yield that type of assurance, would probably give Saudi Arabia a lot of peace and confidence if they had a real agreement with Israel. What you're saying is that the relationship that Saudi Arabia has with the United States is not as uh, fulfilling, is not, is not as reliable. Would that be the way to put it? Correct. Uh, uh, we have to remember the Abraham Accords happened because the Trump administration, America at that time, was seen here in the Middle East as very strong. Uh, MBZ, the, now the king of the Emirates, felt that he could rely on Trump, on Jared Kushner, on America. And therefore, it was comfortable for him to go from under the table, up the, ta- the table, over the table, and, and, and announce publicly, I want to make peace with Israel. So when America is strong, that's the time for Arab, Arab nations to make peace with Israel. The same happened with, with Egypt many years ago, and of course with Bahrain and Sudan, I mean, the other, and Morocco, all the states, uh, uh, the countries who are part of, of the Abraham Accords. Now, if America, if the United States will change its policy here, um, Regarding regarding the, the regarding the Saudis, mainly regarding the Saudis. I mean, now I know that that in, in America, especially in the democratic side, uh, people are very angry because of what happened with the uh, Khashoggi, with a, a Saudi journalist who was assassinated uh, by the Saudis. Of course, it's it's it was a horrible uh, a horrible event, but. Um, but let's say that at least I believe from Israeli point of view and from the Saudis point of view, you shouldn't take one horrible as it is, one event of one person yeah. and, and put all the, the all the ties between right. both countries, I mean, between yeah. Saudi and, and America and remember, related to that. And remember, and remember, the Khashoggi episode was like the only story when, when Biden went to visit Saudi Arabia. That was the entire story was Khashoggi, which is, you just described as ridiculous because that shouldn't be the center of, uh, of, of a potential exactly. negotiation or friendship. You know, I, look, I know there are plenty of people in this audience who love Trump. There are plenty people in this audience who can't stand Trump. I get it, and I'm not here to, to do Trump's bidding, but it is remarkable that... So, so do I, Nahum. So do I. What I said was facts. What I, what I no, said no, I know, I know, but I'm... But I'm, but I'm here, that's but I, it. Right, but I'm just trying to make the point that it's remarkable that because of the strength that he portrayed, or that he had uh, here in the U.S. and therefore the United States portrayed, uh, Saudi Arabia felt comfortable enough to to lean in a specific direction. And now, with President Biden, you know, not much has changed, and yet they're not comfortable enough to lean in the same direction to the point where they feel they 
have to make some type of formal announcement regarding their relationship with Iran. Again, I'm not here to bash Biden. I'm not here to laud Trump. I'm just saying it's amazing how the whatever the perception is about the strength of the United States or what the United States is concentrating on, that's what determines what people are what people or governments are ready to do in the Middle East. Pretty remarkable, frankly. Correct, correct. You touch, touch the base. That's it. And 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 by the way, it's it's not good. I mean, if America portrayed as a strong country, it's not good only for Israel or for the Saudis. Right. I believe it's good. It's it's good for the world peace. Yes, you know, course. if America is strong, because America is a good is a good guy and is a good cop in the neighborhood. Uh, of of course, we prefer everybody prefer America than China or, right. or Russia. So uh, those are the only options. Look, those who point right. out that if Trump was president, Putin never would have gone into the Ukraine. I don't know if that's true or not. We may be giving Trump too much credit. I have no idea what Putin would have done. But at least I hear the argument. At least there's something to base that observation on. It's not just, you know, Trump speaking you know, and shooting from the hip. There's something to actually be said for that based on his track record. So, yeah, there's no question that a peaceful and strong United States is very important uh, to other countries around the world especially in the Middle East. By the way, what was the official response? Because the, the media, including your own media, I don't mean Israel Hayom, I mean media in Israel, painted it as a picture of everyone, be, everybody in Jerusalem being caught by surprise. What was the reaction? I know it went into Shabbat, but what was the reaction? What was the official Israeli response to this news? I don't think there was official uh, reaction because, uh, you know, it's it's between those two countries. We, we actually, we are, we are uh, and officially, we are not part of it. Right. But uh, but not not officially. Uh, let's say that the senior officials that I was talking about pointed out to to a process that took place in actually the last two years, um, cover uh, several of meetings between the Iranians and the Saudis, and there are plenty of issues related, you know, to the war in, in Yemen, and um, and I mean a, a lot of a lot of Middle East stuff which is going on here. But but I think a, a very important point we have to remember, Nahum, is that after all. The Saudis are Sunni Muslims, right. and the Iranians are Shia. Right. And those nations historically hate one each other, and and although they now make formal uh, ties between one or make back make again um, a formal ties one with each other, it doesn't mean those two nations and those two leaderships or regimes will love or support one each other. I I can't see it happening. Ariel Kahana is with us, uh, Chief Diplomatic Correspondent Yisrael Hayom, live from Jerusalem. You were in Italy with the Prime Minister. Uh, you've written about some of the interesting things uh, regarding that trip. Tell the audience, tell the people tuned in right now uh, what you found fascinating when you traveled with him to Italy. Yes, Nahum. So, so Netanyahu is in kind of, uh, let's say, a, a, a Europe, European trips because he was in Paris, uh, then in Rome, and he's going to be this week in Berlin, and afterwards in London, talking to European leaders mainly about uh, about Iran. But one of the interesting topics he, he had in in Rome last week, and uh, at least I didn't know uh, about that, uh, is that in Rome, you know, there are few uh, historic Jewish sites, right. the Titus Gate and then the others. But there are also five Jewish caves, uh, cemeteries actually, underground Jewish cemeteries in, in Rome. I didn't, I never heard about it. And Netanyahu visited secretly, by the way, visited one of them. There, uh, I will now, will now make uh, make PR to my uh, website. But if you go to Israel Hayom website in Hebrew, you could find um, 
pictures of Netanyahu and his wife in the cave with lights. And we, there are uh, Nahum, uh, about 4,000 graves, Jewish graves, wow. by the way, with American Atra Kadisha, who helped to make this project. They discovered 4,000 Jews who were um, buried in this cemetery almost 2,000 years ago during the Bayit Sheni, the uh, second Mikdash we had in Yerushalayim. And uh, it's it's very emotional. I, I couldn't be, couldn't go there, but I saw the pictures and I heard and I wrote about the story. It's a very strong site, and now it's it's still not open to public, but I understand that uh, let's say at least in a year uh, it will be open. And this is just one of five uh, huge caves in Rome, uh, and I, and I think for for us as Jews it will be very interesting to go visit there when when it will be open. Uh, uh, to, to visit those tourists. And I assume you couldn't go because, uh, as your name would suggest, you're likely a Kohen. You are right about that as well. But but but, uh, but on top of that, the visit the visit, as I said, was secret. Right. So so journalists were not invited. But I can maybe one day I send you there, Nacho. There's Ratashev. I'll be more than happy to represent you. Although, frankly, there are people who probably would allow it under certain uh, circumstances for you to go as well. So we will have an opportunity to visit thousands of Jewish graves. I guess we'd call them newly discovered or newly uh, uh, revealed to us in Italy. Would that be the way to put it? I think revealed in a way it was known for years. Right. Actually, all those years people knew about it, but no one never digged into it. No one, no one never went inside and checked what's going on. And it's, it's an enormous project, positively, I mean, uh, again, the, the, the cooperation between between a researcher here, Amir Janach, and Atra Kadisha from uh, from America, and uh, the Rabbi of Rome, uh, Rabbi uh, Diseni, and uh, all together, it's it's a huge project project they made over there. And again, it's it's still closed. And I, I didn't mention, and that's very important, on the graves or in the entrance of the graves. They, they found pictures of menorah wow. and uh, etrog and rimonim and um, sefer Torah, so everything. All all Jewish signs you can think about were found over there uh, underground. Uh, so again, it, it should be remarkable. And uh, maybe one day you and or, or our listeners will go there. Uh, this week, Berlin, you're going to be in Berlin with the prime minister? Yes, I will go there uh, as well, Bezrat Hashem. Um, you know, Netanyahu is uh, many years in the neighborhood play, uh, talking with leaders, of course. He is, he is an international leader. Right. But there are plenty of new European leaders. Uh, Scholz, I mean, the German chancellor, right. or Meloni, he met already, or the British uh, prime minister. So Netanyahu, I think he, he feels the need to go and talk to those leaders, uh, put, putting Iran first and foremost uh, and, and other issues. Uh, and it, always, when you have good cooperation between the leaders, it goes down to the to the officials and to the state. So, so those those visits are has their, their own importance. Is Netanyahu going to give you a night off to come to my son's wedding, or he's just going to keep traveling? <laughs> I'll try, Nacho. I promise you, I'll try. Ariel Tadarabalacha, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Ariel Kahada is chief diplomatic correspondent for uh, Yisrael Hayom. If you want to reach him via Twitter, uh, Arik3000 at gmail. Uh, oh, excuse me. Arik3000 on Twitter. Right, I was about to give you his email address. Arik3000, A-R-I-K-3000. 
3000. Arik3000 on Twitter gets you Ariel Kahana. Follow him and be informed. You heard just from his presentation this morning how informed he is and how informed he makes us. More coming up. We're in hour number three at JM in the AM.